Hello, everyone. I hope and pray all is well with you and yours. My name is Dr. Manette, and welcome back to my podcast, Sow in Peace. The purpose of this podcast is to help and encourage believers to properly sow in peace in their homes, marriages, friendships, workplace, and especially in the body of Christ. Sowing in peace simply means to reflect God's character in all that we say and do. But before I get started, I first want to say thank you to all of God's listeners. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to this podcast. And furthermore, I want to remind you, as I encourage you, I am also encouraging myself. And always remember that I am on this faith journey and never road that leads to life right along with you. And if you're new to this podcast, I want to say welcome. I pray to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he richly blesses you and encourage you through his word today. And today's topic is called Add to Your Faith. And the passage that I'll be reading from comes from the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-11. through 11, And I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible version. So if you want to follow me, as usual, you know what to do. Go ahead and grab your Bible. And it says, starting at verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle, meaning special messenger, personally chosen representative of Jesus Christ, to those who have received and possessed by God's will a precious faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace, that means special sense of spiritual well-being, be multiplied to you in the true intimate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, for his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. And through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value. So that by them you may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of disreputable desire. And become shares of the divine nature. For this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises. Make every effort in exercising your faith to develop moral excellence and immoral excellence knowledge, meaning insight and understanding, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, steadfastness, and in your steadfastness, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly affection, and in your brotherly affection, develop Christian love. That is, learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and to do things for their benefit. For these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity. And they will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, closing his spiritual eyes to the truth, having become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. And therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God. For by doing these things, meaning actively developing these virtues, you will never stumble, meaning you'll never fall in your spiritual growth and will live a life that leads others away from sin. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly provided to you. Now, the purpose of this passage is to teach believers how to add to their faith. And when I looked up the definition of faith, it means to put one's complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And when I put this definition into a biblical perspective, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, meaning faith is the link between us believers and God and makes God and everything that he promises a reality for us. Now, for those of us who choose to come into the faith, it is uh, imperative that we give all diligence regarding our walk with Jesus Christ. And for us to grow spiritually and be victorious and be fruitful before God, we must be actively involved in our Christian growth, making every effort to add to our faith. 
In this passage, uh, Peter gives us seven qualities that every believer needs to develop since godly characteristics do not automatically grow without our diligent effort to cultivate them. Now, most believers uh, don't really realize that we partake in the very divine nature of God, which provides a picture, a vivid picture to the world of us conforming to God and his holiness. But even though we are partakers of God's divine nature, we are not to take our faith and our salvation for granted. It is our job as believers to continually walk faithfully with the Lord to the end of our salvation. In this passage, uh, Peter tells us that we are to sincerely strive in the faith and add to our faith these seven virtues that he listed. And if we do these things, then we will never fall in our spiritual growth, but we will actually be greatly welcomed into God's everlasting kingdom. But unfortunately, due to um, faithlessness, um, some believers will grow negligence in their faith walk, barely making it into God's kingdom, while others who remain steadfast in holiness will be welcomed richly with honor. If you go to the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verses 15, um, <clears throat> the Bible talks about God's fellow laborers, meaning those who are in Christ and who are required to help build God's church on earth. And this means that when we come into the faith, God gives us talents, he gives us abilities, and he gives us skills that are needed for the kingdom of God. And God gives every believer a degree of faith that they are to use to serve God during their time on earth. And God gives believers supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit given to and through the believers so that we will profit on this earth. And these manifestations of the Spirit are intended for the upbuilding of the church and given according to the Spirit's will when a need arises in the church and according to the believer's desires. <clears throat> now, these spiritual gifts are not to be confused with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit relates to a believer's character and sanctification, but these skills are needed to advance, advance God's kingdom. And if we make a decision to bury these skills or talents, abilities, and ignore the use of what God has given us, then there is a possibility that as believers, although we will receive salvation, we may experience us uh, experience or suffer great loss or damage. Uh, listen to what this passage says in 1 Corinthians 3, um, starting at verse 12, I believe. And it says, but if anyone built on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, uh, each one's uh, work will be clearly shown for what it is. Um, because for the day of judgment, will disclose it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality and character and worth of each person's work. And if any person's work, which he has built on this foundation, meaning the foundation of Christ, and that is any outcome of his effort, if it remains, meaning if it survives the test, he will receive a reward. But if any person's work is burned up by the test, meaning the work's going to be tested by fire, um, and if it's burned up in the fire, he will suffer the loss of his reward. Yet he himself will be saved, um, but only as uh, through fire, meaning um, that person will barely escape. Now, um, before I explain this passage, I want to give a disclaimer on what this passage is not saying. And this passage is not talking about uh, the cleansing of a person from mortal sin, um, meaning when we come into Christ, uh, you know, we, 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 we decide that we're going to let the Lord Jesus Christ be Lord of our lives. Okay. 
we are given his Holy Spirit. <clears throat> but even though we have the Holy Spirit, and I explained this in the last episode, Decide Not to Sin, uh, we still have the fleshly or the sinful nature with us. So we have the Holy Spirit, we have the sinful nature um, with us. And we're saved by grace and we say through faith. So through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, it is our job in faith to mortify the deeds of the flesh, mean to crucify the, the desires of the flesh every day and the affections along with it, okay? That's that work. But in this passage, Paul is not addressing the works according to the deeds of the flesh, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, but he is addressing the judgment of works for believers. And you know this because in verse 16 and 17 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul addresses God's condemnation for those who defile the church on earth. And the Bible says, in starting verse 16, Paul is telling them, do you not know and understand that you, the church, meaning us, are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells permanently, permanently in you? That means Paul is saying that the spirit of God dwells in us permanently, collectively, and individually. And he goes on to say that if anyone destroys the temple of God, meaning if anyone comes into the body of Christ, whether that means in a corporate setting or individually or in a position such as myself, corrupting the body of Christ, those who believe with false doctrine, showing an indifference towards scripture, Deciding to stand on one side of the word of God, not considering other scriptures. The Bible said that God will destroy the destroyer for the temple of God is holy and it is sacred. And that is what we are. When we come into Christ, we are holy and we are sacred. So if we are destroying the temple of God individually or collectively, the Bible said God will destroy us. <clears throat> And as you can see in verses 16 through 17, that the spirit of God is in those dwelling permanently in those who are responsible for building God's church on earth. But if they, if we, if I pollute the church with anything that opposes God's message, the Bible says that God will destroy us. Okay. But in this passage, what the Bible is telling us is that some believers will be careless regarding the use of faith that was allotted to them on earth for the use of building the church of Christ on earth. And if any believer was negligent in adding to their faith, they might suffer loss or damage. <clears throat> Listen to what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 38. He says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. What, is, what does God mean by that? What, what does Jesus mean by that? Um, I see this kind of twofold in a sense. Uh, the harvest are those who need to hear the word of God. But the, those who have come into Christ <clears throat> are not laboring in the word of God, in the things of the God, in, in the things of God, uh, to be able to be skillful enough to go minister to those and to bring people to Christ. Okay, number one. Um, but the second part of that is that those also are some, and this is just my opinion right here, but there's some in the body of Christ who needs to be discipled, who needs to be encouraged. And you have people still in the body of Christ who are not 
laboring, who are not doing the works um, to using, who are not using the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given them to encourage or to advance the kingdom of God. In other words, uh, <clears throat> some God has made you teachers. If you have the ability to teach, teach. If you have the ability to speak, speak to someone. Write, write, sing, sing. Anything that God has given you, I want to encourage you to use it and out of faith, okay? Use it. Let God touch your abilities. Let God touch your skills to complete it, to put his light on it, to advance the kingdom, to bring more into uh, the kingdom of God and to to use the resources on earth to spread God's kingdom. You know, um, there when it comes to unbelievers in the world, they use every platform necessary, whether it's through air, billboard. I mean, whatever books, whatever you can think of, they use every resource available to advance Satan's kingdom on earth. Okay. I can't drive down the highway without someone seeing, you know, someone's nudity or whatever. I can't turn it. I don't even have cable. I can't even turn and watch certain movies because I mean, it's cursing or it's just, um, you know, I don't even know the words to say, but those of us who are in Christ understand exactly what I'm saying, but I can't even turn the television channel without seeing something that um, is, is just, that is not of God. Let me just put it like that. Listen to how Jesus commends the unjust steward in the book of Luke chapter 16, verses one through 13. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, there was a certain rich man who had a manager of his estate and accusations against this man were brought to him that this man was squandering his master's possessions. So he called him and he said, what is this I hear about you? He says, give an accounting of your management of my affairs for you can no longer be my manager. And the manager of the state said to himself, you know, what will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? And he says, I'm not strong enough to dig for a living and I'm, I'm ashamed to beg. And then he goes on, he says, oh, I know what I'll do. So then, so that when I am removed from the management, people who are my master's debtors will welcome me into their homes. So he began to summon his master's debtors one by one. He said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And the man said to him, a hundred measures of olive oil. And he said, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And his master commended the unjust manager, meaning Jesus commended the unbeliever. He didn't commend them for his misdeeds. Okay, he didn't commend them for that. But what he commended him because he had acted shrewdly, meaning wisely, by preparing for his future unemployment. And then Jesus, he responds, for the sons of this age, meaning the non-believers, are shrewder in relations to their own kind. Meaning the non-believers, the unbelievers are wiser in relation to their own kind. That is to the ways of the secular world. Meaning they're, wise to, they're wiser to their own kind to promote uh, whatever they wanna put out there in the world, in the secular world, um, than those um, who are the sons of light. 
Meaning Jesus saying that unbelievers are wiser than believers because they use every resource and um, um, everything that is made available to them to promote their own kind of work. But we don't, we don't do that all the time as, as believers. We tend to keep our gifts to ourselves. And I don't know if it's because of humility or we get scared, but um, Jesus goes on to say, and I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourselves for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteous that is use material resources as a way to further the work of God. You, use social media, use podcasts, write a book, sing a song. I don't know, but use it to bring people to Christ and to encourage those who are in Christ so that when it runs out, they will welcome you into the eternal dwellings. Consider the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. And um, Jesus is given a, a parable that tells of a master who was leaving his house to travel and before leaving entrusted his property to servants. And in this parable, uh, the master, according to the ability of each man, gives one servant uh, five talents. He gives another two talents and he gives the third one one talent. And this parable warns us that our place and service in heaven will depend on the faithfulness of our lives and service here on earth. And the talent represents our abilities. It represents our resources, our time and our opportunities to serve God while on earth. And these things are considered by God as a trust that we are responsible to administer in the wisest possible way. And those servants who are careless with their talents might experience loss. They might um, experience a feeling of shame of Christ's coming. They might lose their life's work for God when they get in heaven. They may lose their glory and honor before God, and um, they can lose an opportunity for service and authority in heaven. They might receive a low position in heaven, lose their rewards, and also repay um, the wrong they have done to others. Therefore, you know, these believers, because of their faithlessness, they'll be saved as by fire, meaning barely saved. But in verse 30 of Matthew 25, listen to what the Bible says that the servant who buried their talent, meaning they did absolutely nothing. They folded their arms. The Bible said that they were considered worthless and they were cast out in outer darkness in that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Meaning, you know what? God, he's going to evaluate the quality of our life, our influence, our teaching, and our work in the church of each person. I encourage you to be faithful to God. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please him. You know, living by faith is what governs our relationship to God. And it governs um, our participation in the salvation that God provides through um, through Jesus Christ does. And those of us who persevere in faith will receive God's promises. And not only that, we will be saved. Um, faith, you know what? It demonstrates that we as believers, that we trust in God in all of our circumstances. Faith empowers us to persevere and remain steadfastly loyal to God and his word at all times. And it, um, it leads us to righteousness. You know, faith, um, it, it helps us believe in the goodness of God. It makes us confidence in his words. It makes us confidence in his work. Faith helps us to obey God's commandments and it regulates our lives according to God's promises. And also helps us reject the spirit of the present evil age. It enables us to seek a divine home, you know, instead of an earthly home. And it, it helps us persevere in testing. Faith also helps us to bless our teach um, children, teach our children who are our, um, who are, 
um, are, are is the next generation. You know, it helps us refuse the pleasures of sin. It helps us endure persecution and performs mildly acts of righteousness. It helps us suffer for the sake of God's sake. And it mostly helps us to not return to the very thing that God has delivered us from. So when we add to our faith, we are actually making our calling and our election sure by searching and seeking God's qualities. This is why Peter says in verse 10, give them more diligence to make your calling and election sure. In other words, what Peter is saying is that God has called you and he has chose you to be his. So do your very best to live in a way that shows you really belong to God. And he says, if you do this, we'll never fall and we'll be greatly welcomed into the kingdom of God. So I want to give you seven ways to add to your faith and so in peace. And number one, with all diligence, add to your faith virtue. This means to have moral excellence in everything that we do. Be a person of honesty and have courage. Be compassionate and generous and a person of fidelity and integrity and fairness and self-control. Be prudent. Uh, number two, add to your virtue knowledge, meaning learn how to acquire knowledge from the word of God and get, get deep understanding of it. And then learn how to apply that in your everyday life. Learn how to walk by faith uh, in your life with the wisdom of God. And number three, and add to your knowledge temperance, meaning make yourself or teach yourself, discipline yourself on how to be emotionally restrained and have some self-control. The Bible tells us that whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but one who has a hasty, hasty temper exhausts folly. And folly is foolishness and a person who is foolish does not respect God. And number four, and to your temperance, add patience. Learn to endure your trials and your tribulations uh, with faithfulness, without giving up. You know what? I know things happen to us, especially in marriages, and we like to run away. Stop running away from your storms. If you run away, you know what? And God brings you back to it. You're just going to have to start right back over again. You know, James chapter one, verse four says, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay. Number five, and to your patience, add godliness, be devoted and upright with God, walk a life worthy unto him. Do not walk in darkness, but walk in his everlasting light, which is his son, Jesus Christ. Abide in him and he will abide in you. Whatever you ask, it shall be done according to his will. Number six, to your godliness, add brotherly affection. Um, be a selfless person, be compassionate, be merciful. It is the greatest power revealed in practice to our enemies. You know, the Bible tells us to love our neighbor, show kindness to everyone, be like Christ, you know, look no further, look to Jesus Christ for the perfect emblem, emblem of biblical kindness. Uh, you know, don't look any further than Jesus Christ. He's a perfect um example of what love is. Um, number seven, and to your brotherly kindness, uh, add charity. This is the highest form of love. And the scripture says that charity never faileth. You know, the Bible tells us that these qualities um, are ours and they're increasing in us so that we will grow towards spiritual maturity, that, you know, they will keep us from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, so I am going to end it here, but I just want to um, pray for each and every one of us that um, we learn how to add to our faith. We learn how to make our election and our calling very sure um, and that we do everything that God has given us as a gift, uh, a spiritual gift to advance his kingdom. You know, learn how to follow the blueprint on your life. God, you 
you know, you may not know exactly what it is that you're supposed to be doing, but I just want to encourage you just to go do, do something, work, you know, go to work, whatever he's called you to do. Okay. Even if you are called to be a stay-at-home mom or you're a stay-at-home wife, there's something God has put with inside of you to do in this earth to advance his kingdom and he can use you. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. I encourage you to labor today to advance the kingdom of God so that when, when your work is tested in the fire, you will receive a reward. God bless you. This is Dr. Manette with Soul in Peace. I hope you have a wonderful day and we will speak next time. God bless and have a good day.